mindfulness mode. It's very important to put space and grace between your thoughts and your emotions. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Mindful Tribe, we talk about food and eating and nutrition a lot on the show and how it relates to mindfulness. And today I have a beautiful person who has shared beautiful thoughts and very valuable thoughts in her book about food and eating and nutrition. She's an eating psychology coach. She is extremely knowledgeable in this space. I can tell you, I absolutely enjoyed her book immensely. Today, I have Mindy Gorman-Plutzer with me. Mindy, are you in mindfulness mode today? Absolutely, Bruce. Thank you so very much for inviting me and for the opportunity. Yeah, it's absolutely my pleasure. And it's unfortunate that eating creates so many challenges for so many of us. I think it's rare that a person just exists and eats in a comfortable, relaxed, enjoyable way and is not stressed out ever about it. It's just a comfortable thing. But you guide us in that direction. So eating will be more comfortable. And I think that's that's really wonderful. And a lot of it has to do with mindfulness. And you devoted a chapter in your book to mindfulness. So what does mindfulness mean to you, Mindy? Mindfulness for me and what I teach to my clients is about being embodied. It's about being empowered. It's about being grounded. And it's about being one with your body as opposed to one with your thoughts. You know, an affirmation that I often like to share, and I think it's a good starting point, is that I can meet my thoughts, feelings, and impulses without getting lost in them, without any judgment. And today there is so much judgment surrounding food choices. Eat this, don't eat that, move this way, don't move that way. Um, that I, I have a mentor who says, um, nutritional confusion is the new eating disorder. And I think it's very true because when we are confused, when we are in a mindset of scarcity, it's very difficult to feel grounded. It really is. That's for sure. Mindy, I'm going to hold up your book. So those of you who are seeing the video here, you can see the book. And the book is called The Freedom Promise. And the subtitle is Seven Steps to Stop Fearing What Food Will Do to You, What Food Will Do to You, <laughs> and Start Embracing What It Can Do for you. And what a powerful subtitle that is, because food certainly can serve us and and provide for us. And it can be something that we can enjoy without stress and without torment. And you talked about some of the stresses and torments that you've had in your life relating to food. And you were very vulnerable in talking about some of this and and I just really appreciated how open you were in the book and and so on now in chapter 2 it's all about relaxing and you called the the chapter the weighty issue of stress relax the weighty issue of stress and you say 
Our relationship with food often mirrors our relationship to life. So let's talk about that. If you could expand on that, I think it's such a, a powerful quote that you that you said that in the book. You know, this also brings my thoughts back to something you said in the opening regarding mindfulness and our relationship to and with food. It's very difficult to establish a healthy mindfulness practice to food, with food, about food, until we can understand why, where the reward is in not being mindful. It's very important for people to understand, especially people who are challenged with disordered eating behaviors, dysfunctional thinking about food and their bodies, that those behaviors happen for a reason. They're not the problem. They started out as a beautiful solution. So it's very important in order to create a truly authentic mindfulness practice to understand what it is about food, what it is about your beliefs, your thoughts, your urges, your desires that are keeping you stuck in not being able to bring that practice to the table. Yeah, I think that's so true. And, you know, I know personally, a lot of my eating challenges go back to when I was a child. And I think that's true with a lot of people. You know, I was in a family of, there were seven of us, and then my parents, and there were, you know, certain challenges, as I'm sure every family has. And so I find myself now really noticing my emotions because in the past I wouldn't. I would do a lot of emotional eating, but I didn't really realize it was emotional eating. And you talk about emotional eating quite a bit in the book. And I think that's something that we can start with. Are we eating for emotional reasons or are we eating because we're truly hungry? We truly need the food. Yeah. Bruce, that really speaks to that whole relational piece. And I don't want to ignore that very important question that you asked me. Um, Our relationship with ourselves is what's reflected in our relationship to everything else. And when we think about food, realize that our very, very first experience with being seen, with being heard, with being felt, had to do with food. You know, when we were very first nurtured and nourished, right, at our mother's breast or, or being held and, and, and fed a bottle. Somewhere along the line, as we develop autonomy, as we develop ego, and we separate from that sense of security, and in, very, in a lot of cases, unfortunately, there's not safety, or it's sense that there isn't that security. So the relationship with food gets skewed and it takes on a whole new meaning. And we always go back to it because our very early memories of being seen, heard, felt have to do with food. And that stays in the limbic part of the brain, the part of the brain where all of our memories are stored, all of our feelings and emotions are stored. So we go back there. So fast forward, coming home from a tough day, experiencing a painful, encounter, feel bad, eat something, feel better. 
The mm -hmm. mind remembers that and the body remembers that as well. So we talk about eating emotionally. Um, very often we turn to food as a reward. Yes, I had a tough day. I really want that cookie. I really want that pizza tonight. I'm going to reward myself. But all too often, turning to food is done so as to numb ourselves, distract ourselves, and avoid what we fear we can't tolerate. And that's when it becomes truly problematic. And you know, in the years since I've written the book, and particularly in these past few months that we are living under this umbrella of uncertainty, not knowing what's happening, are we going to stay healthy, what's, what's going on with our family members, people are turning to food more and more. In fact, I recently read a statistic that blew me away, that the occurrence of binge eating behaviors has risen 41% among women in these last few months. Now that's, that's something that, that needs to be looked at seriously, really seriously, that people are just having that need to numb, avoid, and distract. But what I wanted to say about emotional eating is that that whole term designates the negativity of feeling emotions, right? I don't want to feel, so I'm going to eat. Yeah. But that also, if you take it a step further, it's stating that it's not a good thing to feel our emotions. The truth is the only way we're going to process emotions is to express them. And disordered eating behaviors, eating disorders are a language of their own. They show up when the feelings and the beliefs that need to be expressed don't have a way out. So I want people to understand that, that it's really important to get curious, to really back it up. Where is the reward in, in holding on to these behaviors, in holding on to this identity that my story is too difficult for me to process? It's the attachment to story that creates the problem that keeps us from feeling embodied. And, and the other thing, if we're talking about mindfulness, is that a common thread of most people, I would say all people, who struggle with some sort of disordered eating and disordered thinking, is the disconnection they have from their bodies. That lack of embodiment, that disempowerment. It's very hard to be mindful when you're all in your head absolutely true absolutely true and one of the things i wanted to mention that you pointed out about emotional hunger and physical hunger you said emotional hunger appears suddenly and needs to be satisfied instantly while physical hunger happens gradually and you can wait to eat i think that's so important that you that you stated that so clearly and concisely yeah and it's very important to initiate a pause, to understand what it is that you are experiencing. Is it the physical hunger, the body hunger, or is it head hunger? Is it heart hunger? You know, I discovered in my own recovery experience that very thing. You know, I went through a very conventional recovery treatment protocol. It was back in the 90s. 
and there were unfortunately no beautiful spa-like residential treatment centers. For me, recovery would have looked like being admitted to a psychiatric ward of a hospital. And it wasn't going to happen. My daughters were teens. My husband and I were pillars of the community. Image was very important to me, which probably got me into trouble in the first place. So I set out totally determined to beat this thing by myself. What I discovered was that I was great at doing recovery, but I didn't understand what it meant to be recovered Mm -hmm. because I was seeing my physician for weekly weigh-ins. I was seeing a therapist for twice weekly therapy sessions. I was meeting with a dietitian and essentially being told what I was supposed to weigh, what I was supposed to think, and what I was supposed to eat. But no one was addressing my biology. No one was addressing what I was really hungry for. Hmm. Not until I embarked on this journey of self-discovery through many twists and turns in my own personal growth and my life experience, did I stumble upon functional medicine. And what that taught me was that all systems of the body are connected. Everything matters and every body is unique. And until I was able to learn this and incorporate it into my own life, I didn't see that physiology impacts psychology and that psychology impacts physiology. And that's why I have since developed a functional approach, albeit unconventional approach to eating disorder recovery. Well, what you teach in your book and what you share in your book is so helpful and so meaningful. And I love how at the end of every chapter, you have four things, embrace it, journal it, affirm it, and read all about it. So the embrace it are really the calls to actions that you can do. So a real actual things that you can do, then journal it, then affirm it, you're offering affirmations. And I just want to share a couple of affirmations, Mindy, that you put in there. I think they're so excellent because I can just imagine myself saying this over and over. I listen to my body and eat only when I'm hungry, staying in control of what and when I eat. I feel very comfortable saying that. And I think it would be very important for me to say that. I think that's really really positive. And another one is, I happily nourish my body and receive full satisfaction for moderate meals daily. So such important affirmations that you've included. And I think I think just changing the way we think about food is a gradual process. And with affirmations, that is a great way of doing that. You know, I, I often say, that transformation is less about what we do to change and more about what we let go of in an effort to be the change. And what that relates to is the story that we're attached to, the messages that morphed into the belief system that we hold on to, the parts of our story that no longer serve, perhaps they once did, but they no longer do. And until we can invite our bodies to the table as an honored guest and truly 
have that conversation, including our bodies in the conversation. What is it that I can do for you today? What is it that you really want? Are we able to let go of the belief system that we need to eat this, not that? That we need to fear what food will do to us. And unfortunately, part of that issue, what gets us to that place of disempowerment is that we don't trust our bodies to tell us when we've had enough. We don't trust our hunger. We, we fear it. We deny it. We don't trust it. And we can't truly love what we don't trust. And we can't trust what we don't truly love. That's such an important point. Yeah. And, and that all is part of, of the mindfulness piece. Yeah. Chapter four, you called it eating mindfully. That was your chapter. And I love this question that you asked, Mindy. You said, what would your life be like if you treated food and your body as you would a loved one with patience, gentleness, playfulness, communication, honesty, respect, and love? What a beautiful question. And that speaks to the eating experience. Because when we think of mealtime as that, as an experience, bringing our whole self into the picture, and we can truly savor that experience, you know, with the smell of the food, the taste of the food, how the texture of the food changes as we really chew the food, thinking about it bathing ourselves as it goes through the digestive tract. It becomes an experience. And without allowing ourselves to do that, number one, we don't allow ourselves to know when we've had enough. And very often we don't allow ourselves to figure out that maybe I don't really like it, which is, which is okay. If you don't mind, I'd love to share a story with you Please about do. it. Years ago, I was working with a wonderful woman. I was based here in New York and she was in the Midwest of the United States. And she was struggling with body image issues and weight that she was unhappy with. And of course, her behavior with food. And every day she would go to the local 7-Eleven and buy two 32 ounce, big gulps they called them, for those of you not familiar with 7-Eleven, of Diet Coke. She looked at his way to fill up, so she wouldn't eat too much. And that it was starting to bother her that she was so dependent on, on these beverages. So I asked her to do herself a favor. Without any judgment, let's track what's happening. Let's track what your body, how your body is responding. So I want you to drink those Diet Cokes really slowly. Taste them. Feel what it's like as it enters your body. Well, I want you to know the next week she came back to me. She said, I don't know what I was thinking. All I could taste was the metal from the inside of the machine. So when we are distracted, and it doesn't have to be distraction from the TV or our devices, when we're distracted with negative thoughts of, should I be eating this? Shouldn't I be eating this? Why am I eating this? What's this going to do to me? The body doesn't know the difference between that and any other stressor that's coming your way. When the body is in that 
para, that sympathetic state, that stress response, we're not digesting, we're not absorbing, we're not assimilating, we're not metabolizing. And metaphorically, we're not digesting, absorbing, assimilating, and metabolizing life around us. So that brings us back to how our relationship with ourselves is metaphoric for our relationship with food and vice versa. Yeah, I really liked that. That was very powerful when you shared that. And I mean, personally, I've lost uh, 35 pounds since the, the beginning of the year. And it seemed like my whole adult life, I was always just, you know, 30 or so pounds overweight. And I got to the point where I just thought, well, I guess that's just the way I am. That's, mm -hmm. you know, because I, w I thought I was eating healthy. I thought I was exercising quite a bit. And I just, I could lose a few pounds, but then I would gain it back. And so then by doing some of the things that that you suggest, and, and I've read the book after I lost the weight, I want to be clear about that, but but still, I really identified with a lot of the things you included in your book. And one one is about not eating with distractions. Make yeah. sure you're eating at the table without distractions, without looking at you know, a screen or your phone or a, even reading a book, all of those things cause you to eat without thinking. And the other thing was about water intake and that not drinking enough water can cause symptoms of low energy and, and uh, cravings that can be mistaken as hunger. And so one of the things that I do now is when I, I the thought comes into my mind, oh, maybe I want to eat something, then I think, oh, Maybe I'm simply thirsty for water, and then I drink water, and that satiates that that feeling. So that has made a big difference for me personally. I'm interrupting with a quick message about mindset, something we talk a lot about on the show. You know, we're controlled by our mindset, and that's what keeps us where we are, you know, keeps a lot of our, our habits in place, both good and bad, our behaviors, Sometimes we have issues. Anyway, as you might know, I'm now a certified hypnotist working with clients who for years have tried to change their mindset in reference to parent issues, stress, excess body weight, addictions, smoking. Well, I can help you. Your life will be so much better with your new mindset. I want to give a shout out to my hypnosis teacher, Erica Flint, over at the Cascade Hypnosis Center. She's a great teacher. She's helped me become an effective hypnotist. And, you know, hypnosis is becoming mainstream. More and more people are using hypnosis to lose weight and to quit smoking. And, you know, I, I haven't had a lot of clients yet. I'm starting with that. I'm working mostly at the beginning with people who are, are working on losing weight. They've tried so many things. Maybe that's you. You've tried so many methods to lose weight and it just, you kind of come to this conclusion, oh, I just can't do it. Well, you know what? You can do it. I personally have lost 35 pounds with hypnosis and hypnosis will help you do it and I will help you do it. Contact me. We'll get on a 45-minute discovery call. You will achieve incredible, lasting change with the help of hypnosis. Email me bruce 
at mindfulnessmode.com. Put discovery call in the subject line and let's make it happen. Now, back to the show. Now, I, I teach an exercise that I call the four Ds. I didn't invent it, but I've adopted it and adapted it. And the four Ds are such. Delay, distract, determine, and decide. And when we can have the wherewithal, the mindfulness, to initiate a pause, to delay the behavior, delay the urge, amazing things can happen. So we delay, and then we distract ourselves. One of the tools that I recommend for such distraction are these fabulous timepieces that you can get on Amazon. And you see, they're very colorful. This is five minutes. And just watching for five minutes, this beautifully colored sand go from top to bottom can be extremely and wonderfully meditative and distracting. Then you get to determine what's really going on. First question is, are you hungry? Well, if you are, then by all means, eat. Respect what your body's telling you. And remember, you're going to bring it to the invited to the table as an honored guest. Are you angry? What happened during the day? Are you lonely? Can you connect with someone? Are you tired? Maybe you need to rest. How's your sleep? And are you bored? Well, when we're bored, we're basically looking for something to do. And sometimes boredom is a cover word for emptiness and loneliness. So we need to address that. And are you stressed? And what is a better way to address and manage your stress that is not self-sabotage or ultimately self-destructive, that turning to food in an effort to numb, avoid, and distract would be. So once you've made those determinations, you now have the wherewithal to decide. Decide. And if you decide that eating that pizza or reaching for the M&Ms or that bowl of ice cream is really what you want, then by all means, honor yourself by doing so. Give yourself permission. Instead of eating the M&Ms out of the bag, put them on a beautiful plate. Instead of eating the ice cream out of the carton, take a scoop or two and eat it slowly, mindfully, and I guarantee you, you won't overeat. You'll stop when you've had enough. Those are excellent suggestions. They really are. Mindy, I always ask a question about bullying because I've worked in that field for a long time. And if you have a story you could share with us about bullying and maybe how mindfulness could have made a difference in a given situation, do you have a story you can share with us? Chris, you know, what comes to mind is how I bullied myself for so many years. I belittled my needs. I bullied myself into believing that I wasn't enough as I was and bullied myself in such a way that I belittled my need for food and proper nourishment, thought that I could find my enough by denying myself. Um, that for me was a form of bullying and, and self-betrayal. And it wasn't until I went through that dark period that brought me to this period of light and self-discovery 
did I realize that until I found my enough and reclaimed it, as I said in the book, the freshly baked brownie, the glass or two of wine, the new pair of shoes was never going to do it. What I needed to do was to dig deep and find what I like to refer to as my sacred space of solitude, where I could dig deep within myself. For me, that was, became my higher power, my deepest self, where I knew I was safe. And what does someone who is bullied want? They want to feel safe. They want to feel they belong. And if you think about the bully, the bully is really a coward. My bully was my eating disorder self who needed me to believe that I needed her or else I couldn't function. That's what a bully does. By strengthening my healthy self and my healthy voice, I can now have the last word. So that's how I, I, I deal with my bully. And if I was advising somebody who was being bullied from someone else, another child, another adult, a coworker, a boss, I would advise you to dig deep, find your sacred space of solitude and know that you can reclaim it. There is a part of you that you can always come home to where you are safe. You could put your arm around that little girl, that little boy and guide them to where you are now, where you know, you can live a fully nourished life. Mindy, you are a beautiful wordsmith. Oh, thank you. You really are. And, and I, I love this. This is another quote that I want to share. And, and it just highlights the fact that so much of this is about our emotions and understanding and embracing our emotions. You said, be gentle with yourself as you meet your emotions and give them the freedom to be so they can clear out, ensuring they don't stay longer than they need to. Yeah. And yeah, I want to follow up on that too. It's very important to put space and grace between your thoughts and your emotions. Understand that we can't, nor do we want to control our emotions. We want to express them. It's okay to feel disappointment. It's okay to feel sadness. It's okay to feel anger when it's appropriate and not misguided, but we can control our thoughts. Yes. And that's a, that's a beautiful gift to remind ourselves that we can control our thoughts. We are in control of our thoughts. Mindy, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So okay. just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? I think Louise Hay. In fact, I have a beautiful quote of hers in the book that I love. Yes. Yes, I thought that was so appropriate at the beginning of the book. That's one of the first things you see. It's that beautiful quote. Number two, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? And I know we just talked about this, but how can you kind of sum it up about your emotions? I now give myself permission to feel them. I don't fear them. I feel them and I let them pass through. And I have learned to give myself that space and that grace to not always have to feel wonderful, 
perfection is only a perception and it's usually not rooted in reality. Now, one of the things that we haven't really touched on is breathing. And you talked about conscious breathing in your book. And I, I truly agree with this, that breathing can make a huge difference when it comes to food and eating. So tell us about breathing and how mindfulness has been a, a factor in uh, the breathing that, that is important in your life. Well, breath work grounds us. And I believe, and I hope you'll agree with me, that it's virtually impossible to be truly mindful without being grounded. Definitely. Right. Proper breath work, conscious deep breathing, also activates the parasympathetic part of our brains, which is part of our central nervous system, which regulates so many functions of our body. And when we're in that parasympathetic state, also known as rest and digest, we are doing just that. Our bodies are in the flow. As I mentioned before, that digesting, absorbing, assimilating, metabolizing, not only our food, but life that's hitting us. That breath work is powerful. And again, breath work connects you to the wisdom of your body. It truly does, yes. Your book, The Freedom Promise, is a beautiful book to read if you have any issues with food at all. And even if you don't, you'll enjoy this book, The Freedom Promise. But are there any other books, Mindy, that you would recommend that are related to mindfulness? Oh, there are so many wonderful books, you know. And again, I'm going to mention Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life. Um you know, I, I, I truly love mindful practices as well. Anything you can read about the emotional freedom technique, otherwise known as tapping, that's a wonderful way to instill and inspire mindfulness. Well, I will put those books into our show notes, mindfulnessmode.com. And you can go there, Mindful Tribe, and just read all these highlights from the interview. And the, the last question is, are there any apps that you would suggest that can help with mindfulness? I love the, the meditation apps. I like Calm. There's one that I love that I rely on almost daily called BrainTap. Okay. BrainTap Pro, which is wonderful. It's binaural beats, wonderfully led guided meditations. Um, Dr. Patrick Porter is the developer and basically it allows your, your brain waves to recalibrate. It's called entrainment. I just really recently learned about it and I've been relying on it and find it extremely helpful to help me focus and bring mindfulness into my daily activities. Um, a lot of the apps out there, however, don't know you. They don't know who you are. You know, apps like MyFitnessPal, they're going to keep you connected to everything outside of your body. And to be truly mindful, we need to tap into what's happening right now and what needs to happen. So I would rather advise our listeners to engage in activities that bring them within instead of outside. Very, very 
Very good suggestion. And Mindy, I want to thank you so much for sending me your book. And when I received it, I was delighted because you signed it with an inscription which said, when desire is bigger than the fear, the extraordinary appears. And I think that was so powerful for you to write into the book. So I appreciate that. And I want to ask you, Mindy, if you have any final words of advice to Mindful Tribe when it comes to food and eating and just being grounded and content? Oh, well, let's talk about being mindful at the table. You know, again, experience your food, the smell, the taste, the texture, because that allows not only for the experience, but allows for the awareness of satiety. And when you can bring that mindfulness to the table, invite your body as an honored guest, you can eliminate the fear of what food will do to you because you're now embracing what it can do for you, right? You can derive pleasure from your food. This is a concept that eludes so many who are challenged by a disordered relationship with food in their bodies. We can find pleasure from our food and, and that's what I wish for all of you out there. Well, that's beautiful. Your website is thefreedompromise.com. Don't forget the word the, thefreedompromise.com. What can Mindful Tribe expect to find there, Mindy, when they go to the website? Well, I have some wonderful free goodies. Um, I believe there's even a tab that says freebies. So I've got a guide that details my seven-step signature framework to food freedom. Find your enough relax, rest and digest, eat when you're hungry, stop when you've had enough, eat mindfully, do something every day to make your body feel alive, only eat whole foods as often as you can, and make sure you surround yourself with what truly nourishes an acronym for freedom. I've got a, a master class replay that is wonderful. I introduce you to three of my clients that I've worked with who have found their way to food freedom. Um, I've got a, an assessment, a free assessment you can take to find out who you are as an eater. And of course, I offer um, complimentary discovery calls. There is a link to schedule that if that so interests you. So I, I would love to hear from your listeners, direct them to the website, lots of goodies there, and lots of food for thought. Mindful Tribe, make sure you go to thefreedompromise.com. Mindy has so much to offer, and I can assure you that, that she has so much incredible advice as is found in this book. And, and it's been such a pleasure to talk to you, Mindy, today and have you share your expertise. Thanks so much for being on Mindfulness Mode. Oh, thank you for inviting me, Bruce. I wish you and your listeners a wonderful holiday season. Thank you so much, Mindy. Bye now. Bye-bye. Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening, for subscribing, and for reviewing the show, and for telling your friends about Mindfulness Mode. Thanks also to Erica Flint's Cascade Hypnosis Center for being our valued sponsor. Erica is a terrific teacher of hypnosis, and I know that because I am a graduate of her program. Now, if you're a healer, a coach, a therapist, a counselor, or just someone who loves helping people. You might want to consider the powerful results that can be achieved with hypnosis. 
you can learn how to do it. Contact the team over at CascadeHypnosisCenter.com and take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.